Welcome to The Portable Pastor, a podcast of relevant biblical teaching, linking ancient truth with today's challenges. Each week, Pastor Mike will share God's Word to help you and remind you that God is pro-you. So download the outline from fbcclover.life and get ready to hear today's teaching. Here's Pastor Mike. Well, hello, everyone. Thanks for tuning in again today. This is going to be a great study in our Christmas series, the Christmas in Luke. We're wrapping up our year-long study of Luke with this Christmas season series. And so if you would take your Bibles and turn to Luke chapter 1, we're going to look at uh, a sermon entitled The Visit. And as you turn there, let me remind you of last week's message. Uh, Last week we looked at, at a message called The Plan. That's when Gabriel showed up and revealed God's will to Mary concerning the birth of Jesus. And and so we looked at that message from Gabriel to Mary, and we looked at Mary's first response. If you remember, it was, well, wait, wait, what? Remember that response that she had? She missed all the prophecies and was just concerned that she was about to be pregnant and she'd never known a man. We looked at her second response, which was, uh, let it be as you say. You know, we, we concluded from that passage that we must, like Mary, we must hear the plan and trust the plan. Well, today, we're going to look at what came about when Mary left that conversation and went to visit her cousin Elizabeth. And I want you to know up front that Mary received a, a complete affirmation of what she'd been told by by Gabriel, and and she got really, really excited about it. And in fact, uh, she started singing and dancing, and she had a, a great time in this affirmation. So let's look at that passage. We're going to pause along the way for some commentary, and then apply that passage to our own our own situation. All right. The first thing we're going to see is that that Mary left. Okay. Look at verse thirty nine. In those days, Mary rose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah, and she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. So the very first three words, in those days, we need to explain that. That, that was a phrase that was common at that time to mean that there wasn't a waiting period. It was immediate. Mary immediately left. Now her her family would would grant her the time away, I guess. You know, family was everything then. Everyone chipped in around the house, and they gave her some time away so that she could go help out uh, her cousin in in her situation. Her cousin was pregnant there and in her old age, and that family knew that she would need some help, so they allowed they allowed Mary to go. They granted her that that time away. Now, she went to a town in Judah, according to this passage. We're not told exactly where it is. We're we're told it's in the hill country. And because we know that it was Zachariah's house, then we can be uh, fairly confident that they're talking about the city of Hebron. And that is the city of priests. It's located on a hill in the hill country in Judea. Uh, but it's about a it's about a hundred miles south of Nazareth, so that would mean that Mary had to travel days to get there. This wasn't a quick trip, and it wasn't an easy trip. In fact, it was a dangerous journey uh, for for anyone, but especially a young woman. Uh, she had to go around that road around Samaria because Jews didn't like to go through uh, Samaritan country. We know that, and on that road, that's where. 
There was a lot of ambushes and, you know, a lot of thievery was going on, a lot of muggings. And so this was a, a, a dangerous, but, but she had to go because she had heard about Elizabeth's pregnancy from Gabriel as an affirmation to her own, and she needed to go. So, so she went. Now, something interesting that I learned out of, I learned about Hebron is, is this. Hebron is where the cave is that Abraham buried his wife, Sarah. According to Genesis 23, he found a cave in Hebron and, and buried his wife. Now you think, well, what's so interesting about that? Well, his wife was a a hundred year old lady who had a baby, so uh, it's it's interesting that you know there's nothing new under the sun. It's interesting that now Zachariah's wife Elizabeth, also in her old age, extreme old age for for childbearing, was in a place that was known to have um, a grave of someone who was the most famous person. To, uh, to have a, an elderly age pregnancy. And so I, I just thought that was, that. I, I guess uh, that was interesting. I guess if, you know, if gestational similarities arise in the city where you're from, if you're listening to this in, in say, Philadelphia, you might, you might want to move because, you know, that's where Kate Goslin had her sex tuplets, you know, the six kids at once. I, I'm, I'm just saying if you live there and there's any kind of, you know, crossover like there was in Hebron, then then you're at uh, early onset dementia, and you need to get out of there. So, uh, so anyway, so that's that's not the only reason to, to leave Philadelphia, of course. But anyway, Mary left, and and she left immediately. And then we see that John jumped. Look at verse forty one. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, I, I can see this happening kind of in, in the framework of, of my upbringing from way back in the day. I, I can picture a crisscross moment here where, where Mary walks in and says, what's up, Elizabeth? And, you know, and, and John does the crisscross thing, you know, that thing, you know, the cross will make you a jump, jump. Daddy God will make you a jump, jump, you know. And so John jumped. And Elizabeth didn't respond in, in, in crisscross form. She, she didn't say, this is wiggity, 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 whack. She, she wouldn't do that. Uh, but but this, is, this is truly, and pardon the pun, a moving experience. John leapt inside of her. Well, why? Why? Well, remember why John was conceived. He was conceived to proclaim the coming of the Messiah. And so when the Messiah walked into his in, into his vicinity, even as an unborn child, the Holy Spirit worked in him, and he got excited, and he leapt. And so Elizabeth got excited too. The scripture says that she was filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, in, in this translation, that, that phrase filled with the Holy Spirit is different from what happened at Pentecost. At Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came and, and dwelt in people. It's the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Here, this phrase is used to talk about someone or describe someone who's being led by the Holy Spirit. And so she, being led by the Holy Spirit, proclaimed some things about Jesus that were, that, that were wonderful. Wonderful, right? So this is about being led by the Spirit. It's the same idea of, of you know, that baby, of, of 
John leaping inside of of Elizabeth. The Holy Spirit caused that to happen for both of them. So so John jumped. Next, we're going to see that Elizabeth believed. Look at verse 42. And she, they're talking about Elizabeth, and she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. Now, let's pause here. That expression in 42 was not meant to be a a praise of Mary. No, it, it was more of a praise of the one that was inside Mary. Elizabeth was saying that she believed that Mary's child was indeed the Messiah. And and this is why this is, I mean that's why she referred to Jesus in verse forty two as as Lord. Now think of, I mean think about this for a minute. This whole encounter was was sort of in, enveloped or even injected with a mystery and a, and a wonderment. I mean Elizabeth was a hundred year old pregnant mother, and Mary was a teenage uh, pregnant virgin. The these two were very unlikely candidates for pregnancy. Mary a whole lot more than Elizabeth, obviously. And both look how both of them responded in this, this wonderful moment. Both of them responded in joy. Mary heard what Gabriel said, right? And Elizabeth knew what Gabriel said to her husband as well. You know, uh, Luke 1, 16 and 17 tells us what Gabriel told Zechariah. He said, And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go before them in the spirit and power of Elijah and turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just and to make ready um, for the Lord a people prepared. So Zechariah, even though he couldn't talk, he would have shared this with his wife. I mean, remember at the end when they were discussing what the the name of the child would be and someone handed him a tablet and he wrote out the name John? Well, there's no doubt in my mind that he also wrote out what Gabriel had said to him for his wife. He had told his wife this. And this... This child jumping inside of her and her knowing in her mind uh, what John was going to do and who he was going to introduce was all the affirmation that Elizabeth needed. So Elizabeth believed. And following that, Mary rejoiced. Look at verse 46. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He's filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy 
And as he spoke to our fathers, uh, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. This is a, a very famous passage because this was a song. This is a song that Mary, the virgin pregnant mother of Jesus, sang in response to the affirmation that she received from Elizabeth. This song's called the Magnificat. And that word is from the Latin translation of the first line of this song. Uh, my Latin's not really good, but it's Magnificat Anima Mia Dominum, which means my soul magnifies the Lord. So this is the, the magnification. She was glorifying, she was magnifying God and not herself. Now, I don't have time to cover the significance of every word this morning, but because this would be a sermon in and of itself. But let me address a couple things in, in, this, uh, in, in these sentences in this song. First thing is that Mary obviously knew the scriptures. That This song was heavenly, I mean heavily influenced by lines in the Psalms and specifically uh, influenced by the prayers of Hannah in, in the Old Testament. In 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 11, Hannah is, is praying, and, and she's telling God, and she say, it says this, and she, she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your servant and remember me and not forgive your servant, but will give to your servant a son, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life. This is very similar to Mary's song. Then in 1 Samuel chapter 2, she uses language to point out the strength and, and the might and the holiness of God and how God's merciful and helping to believers and bringing down the mighty, just like Mary's song. So, so we know that Mary knew the scriptures, but we also know that Mary saw this child as her Savior. Verse 47, "...and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior." That phrase in verse 49, holy is his name, that, that really jumps out at me. This song stands um, uh, in, I guess, direct opposition to what Roman Catholics believe. They view that Mary was immaculate or, or free from the, from the taint, from the stain of, of sin. But she's very clear. I need a Savior. She recognized her lowly Part And she says, holy is his name, not my name, holy is his name. She recognized her need for a savior to save her from her sin. So like I said, I don't, I don't want to focus too much on the exact words of this, that, you know, that would be a separate sermon, but I just want to point out that Mary fully believed God and that led her to rejoicing in this, in this very affirming visit. So Mary rejoiced. But fifthly, we see that Mary waited. Look at verse 56. And Mary remained with her about three months and returned to her home. Now, we, we know that Elizabeth, all right, let's do the math. Elizabeth was six months along when Mary arrived at her home and she stayed three months. So we assume that it was to help Elizabeth around the house in her late pregnancy and to stay there through the birth and to help out through that process. And so, Mary was still betrothed. She was still engaged, but she's not living with Joseph yet, okay? So she stayed there through the pregnancy and then returned home three months pregnant. 
Everybody on the road home that saw her would know that she was pregnant. Everybody that saw her walk into the town, uh, into Nazareth, would know that she was pregnant and that she was alone and vulnerable and not married. This was very dangerous. This is very dangerous. This leads me to the point that oftentimes when the Scripture reveals a, a monumental, you know, a key pivotal point in, in the story moment, it's immediately followed by the, a response from, from the forces of evil. You know, when, when you come off the mountain, you're going to be accosted in, in the valley. So, so no doubt this happened to Mary. But, you know, but in this situation on that mountain, during the initial affirming visit, uh, during those three months, immediately she waited. She waited and she rejoiced. So, so that's the passage. Now, how do we apply those things to our situation? How do we apply them to our lives? Well, first thing we can do is to see God's revelation as a miracle. We, we can see it as a miracle. The very fact that God shows you something is, is a miracle. If He reveals something to you, look, He's God. He's Creator. He's Sovereign. He's Holy God. And He speaks to you. I mean, if the president called me on my birthday to tell me happy birthday, I would say, wow, wow, who am I? I mean, he knows me. He knows my name. Wow. But if it's God speaking to me, if God's speaking to you personally, that's that's a miracle. That's a miracle. I mean, what did Mary say? She said, for he has looked on the humble of state of his servant. That is a miracle that God who holds the entire universe in his hand can pinpoint one part on earth and see me oh, when he reveals something to me that's a miracle but i also we can see god's revelation as a blessing we, we in fact we need to do that because god doesn't ever have to speak to us <laughs> you know it, it's enough that that he created us he expects us to be holy just like he's holy it's it's enough that he exists and he's working and he's active He's not required to speak to us. So when it, when it does happen, it's something special. That's why the Bible is something special. It's God's words uh, spoken through man to us. What, what did Elizabeth say in verse 45? Blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. It's, it's a blessing. There's something special about him speaking into your mind in the stillness of of a moment in your home. There's something special about the revelation from the word in in the quiet moments of of your lives. Tragically, where, where we fail sometimes is in our hurrying through those miraculous, blessed moments of conversing with God. Look, Jeremiah 33, 3 should scream at us, Call to me and I will answer you. And I will tell you great and hidden things that you have not known. When God tells us something, it is, it is a blessing. So calling on and listening to God, it, it, it's our blessing. It, it, really, it's a necessity because we have to have Him, but it is a blessing Nonetheless, what a blessing we have to, to have a conversation with, with the one true living God. So 
first thing that we can do, how we can apply these things to our lives is, is we can, just like Mary, just like Elizabeth, we can see God's revelations as a miracle and a blessing for us. But secondly, when God reveals something to you, when he reveals something to me, we, we should seek out affirmation. Okay. We, there's nothing wrong with this. There's there's nothing faithless about this. We're we're going to make sure it is from Him because the truth is sometimes your still small voice is really your flesh trying to disguise its own voice. One time, my grandkids, um, two of them were were real little, and they were in our house at Halloween, and they had these sheets over them, and they came through to scare uh, Nana and I. And they're going, ooh, poppy, ooh, nana. And I, I, I proclaimed when they walked through, oh, it's a ghost. And the youngest one, she was, uh, she was two. She goes, no, it's me and Bubba. <laughs> so, I, of course, I knew that, but it was hilarious that she had to, to tell me that. So she, she and, and, and those two were, were, disguising their voices, right? And so, of course, I knew who it was, but sometimes when I hear a still, small voice in my head, sometimes it is God, but sometimes it's my flesh pretending to be God to to make me think of something that wasn't from Him. So it's okay to make sure it was from Him. Now, I know there's a fine line. I understand there's a fine line between questioning and and obeying completely in faith, but, but... there's a difference between disobedience and seeking affirmation. So this is how it works. When we receive a directive from God, when He speaks to us and tells us something, our response should be, Yes, Lord. Now, let's be sure that I heard you right. There is nothing wrong with that. That is honoring to God because you are absolutely making sure that you did not lose something in the translation. Yes, Lord. Now, did I hear you right? So we're, we're submitting while making sure that we understand that message by doing it that way. And God affirms this. So, so seek out that affirmation. And how do you do that? Well, you do that by reading more scripture, by having more discussions with trusted, faithful friends and doing more research and reading the writings of trusted, solid Christians in the past. So we, we seek that out. When, when God says something, we seek out affirmation. And when God reveals something to us, we get excited about it. There, 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 is no, there is no bigger downer in the world than a Christian telling you he got a message from God and whining about it. Man, I hate to hear that. Pray for me. God told me to go and mow Bob's yard just suffering for Jesus. How about instead saying, you know, God tagged me in. It's my time to shine. Woohoo! Maybe you should do that. God, 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 can, you know that God can do everything on his own, right? You know that, right? He doesn't need your skill. He doesn't need your tools. He doesn't need your know-how or your strength. He can do that on his own. Remember when, remember when you were young and your dad first let you work on something with him? Maybe it was you know, using a saw, or maybe it was the first time he let you use the lawnmower or drive the car. How exciting that was. You got so excited because your dad let you in on something that he was doing. Well, that's the way we should feel when God tags us into doing something. He, he could have, he could have done that job himself, but because he loves us, he wants to include us in his work. So get excited about it. 
Get excited about it. And if you're going to Mo Bob's yard, make up songs like Mary did. I'm driving the lawnmower. Bob is gonna freak out. Praise God for weed eaters to get the stuff from my belly mower. Can't reach without scraping the bark off the bottom of the tree. Okay, I made that part up. Actually, that was all made up. Oh, but anyway, make up songs. Enjoy it. Show some enthusiasm. Get excited when God tags you in. That is a natural response. And also, when God reveals something to us, you have to expect others to not understand. Okay? Bob's neighbor's not going to get it. <laughs> Some people just will not understand your faithful submission to the will of God. They're just not going to understand it. And they may even persecute you for it if it makes them feel guilty. Lost people and, and carnal Christians, they, they will never affirm your acceptance of, of God's, of, of the Lordship of Christ. Because to do that would mean that they had to accept that their actions are rebellious to that to his lordship. You, you understand? They cannot understand or they will refuse to understand and they will throw rocks. Okay? They will throw rocks. It's, and that's the receiving of those hurled objects. That's part of our suffering. Expect others not to understand. Just accept that as the suffering, the same suffering that Christ served. So when, when God reveals something to you, okay, when, when, he's, when He's pointing out something to you, you should see that as a miracle. And you should see that as a blessing. And you should seek out affirmation. And then you should get really, really excited about it. Well, today I, I hope this was a blessing to you. I, I hope that, that you heard very clearly that God does reveal things to us. He specifically reveals the plan of salvation to you if you would confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead you can be saved that is a revelation that is very clear to you whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved will you just admit your sin to him and call upon him and ask him to be Lord of your life and commit your life to him if you do that wonderful things are ahead of you in heaven Wonderful things await you on the other side of eternity if you would do that today. Look, I'd love to pray with you. If that's the situation you found yourself in, uh, send me an email, mike at fbcclover.com. I'd love to discuss that with you more and pray with you and introduce you to the one who saved me from my sin and verify that he can save you from your sin as well. Well, I hope you enjoyed this. Look forward to speaking with you next week when you tune in again. But until then, remember, God bless you. God loves you. God is for you. Have a great week. Thanks for listening to the Portable Pastor Podcast. Pastor Mike serves as pastor at the First Baptist Church in Clover, South Carolina. FBC Clover is a church that focuses on loving God, loving people, and making disciples. For more information about our church and our ministries, or to make an online donation, go to fbcclover.com or email us at fbcclover at gmail.com. Until next time, be blessed. And remember, God is pro-you.